This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing well and uh, happy new year. Happy new year to you too. And let's start the year with a non-farm payroll day, of course, uh, Ed. And the latest US jobs figures show that the numbers slowed last month as firms struggle a bit to hire workers and continue to come to terms with the effects of coronavirus and, of course, Omicron and all that. But the jobless rate dropped sharply to 3.9% and wages rose as well. So despite the fact that employers hired just 199,000 people in December, there were some positives. So is it a mixed picture or you're saying it's more on the positive side when you come to balance out the two? I think overall, uh, the, the report was still positive. There was, yes, a big miss with the headline, uh, but it, it will do nothing to change the Fed's hawkish course. And when you take a look at Fed rate height expectations, um, uh, the March meeting, it, the, the expectations went from 74% to uh, slightly above 80%. And uh, when you you know dig deep into the details, I, I think a lot of the reasons why we had that headline miss was because there is a labor shortage. And when you compare this non-farm payroll report with the household survey, that showed 651,000 people found employment. And what complicates all these different employment statistics that we compare, the household survey probably does a little bit better of a job of, of it might be considered more forward looking and, and does highlight some of that self-employment, whereas the official reading does not. So you can make a strong case here that the economy is still seeing pretty you know, steady hiring. And, and when you also take into consideration, they had an October revision, which was pretty hefty. It was complemented with, you know, a rather strong surge in wage growth. And and that is the key takeaway. Uh, we're, we're pretty much at maximum employment. If you're seeing uh, year over year, 4.7% increases, 0.6% on the month, that signals that employers are capitulating and they're they're finally giving um, significant wage increases and and that signals that you know we're 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 pretty much I think um, at full employment here and when you consider we've recovered almost all the jobs lost in COVID I I, th- I think there's still under four million jobs that we we still have to recover but when you we we don't have a um, um, a good handle on those self-employment figures and and I think the problem. Um, with with some of those data points uh, is that, um, you know, when you compare all the other high frequency data, um, it doesn't look like we're um, seeing um, that much of an issue here with with uh, the, the labor market outlook. So so um, I think the the economy um, is, is preparing for Fed rate hikes. I think, um, you, know, you know, the before the end of the year, people were thinking three, now people are talking four. Um, and this opens up the big debate now because everyone is concerned about, well, what happens now that, um, you know, obviously the growth story for the U.S. is going to be strong. We're going to have a strong economy. And, and you know, the current gauge right now, households, corporate balance sheets, 
they're in very good shape. And, you know, when we get through those first couple rate hikes, the economy is going to be able to handle that. The big question is, and what really unnerved markets this week was the Fed minutes. And it's with those Fed minutes that we saw that the Fed was looking to have a more aggressive stance in addressing that balance sheet. Balance sheet reduction um, is what unnerved markets. The balance sheet reduction is why we saw treasury yields pretty much go from the low 150s to now we're, we're just shy of 180. That is significant. And uh, I think when you consider uh, that move, um, that, that shows you that uh, markets are, are um, you know, they weren't prepared for that. Uh, and and uh, as the, the Fed is not going to be there, I think that's why you're, you're continuing to see yields rise here. And, and, and that's going to uh, really be, I think, the focal point in these next couple Fed meetings, um, in addition to those rate hikes. So um, it is, uh, it's an interesting story because now you're seeing risk aversion uh, mostly settle in because I think a lot of traders they're 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 still a beat for the year, but you know if if we if we see the Fed deliver three rate hikes possibly four this year, uh, the the concerns are with that balance sheet reduction. Um, we you know you're 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 looking at possibly um, a quicker return to normal growth, and and that means. Um, you know, we're, if, if we see a neutral rate at really at one and a half percent or one and three quarters, you could be looking at a potential recession at, you know, at some point in 2024. And that is something that, you know, two months ago, we weren't, no one was really thinking that was a, a strong potential situation here. And and that's because of this balance sheet reduction issue. So um, the, the labor market, is very strong and this is paving the way for this hawkish stance on the fed so it'll be interesting to see how the the labor market and how these inflationary pressures uh continue to drive the fed but i, I think you know there is strong optimism inflation will start to ease as the weather gets warmer in the second quarter of the year and you mentioned a potential recession in 2024 well that's the interesting thing about that is of course u.s election in 2024, UK election more than likely around that time as well. So you've got to wonder whether governments, finance ministers, chancellors of the exchequers and so on are going to allow that recession to happen just when they don't want it to. And all the all the all the data you just mentioned would point to the chances of a recession and, of course, much higher inflation, uh, if not in the short term, certainly in the medium so it would be a worry to those governments, wouldn't it? And I'm, I'm just wondering what measures they'd have to take to prevent that happening when they don't want it to happen. Well, I, I think right now the Biden administration is extremely nervous. Um, and his, uh, it's already, um, we've heard from the president a couple of times, he's, he's speaking right now, and, and you're... You're, you're seeing there's a lot of nervousness. The, the, the Democrats are, are looking like they're going to lose um, poorly in the midterms. And, and we, we're, we're not seeing Build Back Better get finalized. Uh, this Build, Build Back Better, um, the, the last major piece of legislation that will probably get done before we get to midterms is, is, is really um, going to show you that we're, we're at peak monetary and fiscal uh, stimulus right now. And it, it, the, the, I think the economy is, is uh, prepared for that. So um, the Biden administration is 
they might have to resort to executive orders to try to provide some support um, as people head to the polls. Um, but uh, this is this is going to be, um, um, I think, uh, a frustrating uh, remainder of, of his, uh, uh, you know, his la his last couple of years and and off. If, the completion of his first term because it's going to be difficult to get anything done and uh, the, the the problem right now is uh, you you just have uh, too 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 much uh, politics that are really um, preventing um, a lot of the the key things that need to be um, outlined to to keep the recovery going um, the Biden administration still needs to appoint three fed members um, you know you you still have uh, several key appointments that need to be done to um, allow that when when bill back better does get finalized to to implement um, these last few uh, fiscal uh, initiatives so so I think there's a lot of work to be done but right now it, it just seems that Democrats are um, looking like they're going to be in trouble when when it comes to midterms and also the 2024 election and it all points to that famous old phrase it's the economy stupid doesn't it because when you think about why trump lost uh, the election it wasn't because of the politics it was mainly because of coronavirus and what it did to the economy and you could say the same thing could happen to biden in 2024 uh, possibly with trump um, becoming president yet again. It's um, going to be a very interesting few years, isn't it? Very much so. Uh, it will be extremely unpredictable. And, and, and I think that it is interesting to see how uh, the Republican Party does not know how they're going to go about who is going to represent them and, and how the president, uh, former President Trump, is is uh, not been very clear on, on what he will be doing. Uh, but but uh, I, I, I know that uh, they're you know, it is a divided country, and, and that uh, you're you're seeing a lot of frustration uh, on both sides. And uh, I, I think that uh, Biden's chances, and given his age, um, you know, it's not even a foregone conclusion that he will go for another term. So, um, you know, the the election for 2024 is is a big question mark, and there's too many too many variables right now to really get a, a strong handle on it. Yeah, and then we've got a long, long way to go, Ed, but I'm I'm thinking we're gonna get President Trump uh again. And uh if he certainly if he if he thinks he can win, he will stand. Absolutely. And uh I, I can imagine it's gonna be a tricky one for the Democrats to get out of that hole because uh if you if you if you add the politics to the economics, then it says victory for the Republicans under uh, President Trump. But anyway, let's not get too much embroiled into that. Let's go back to markets and uh, uh, the economy of early 2022. I wanted to ask you about the uh, oil price situation, which it's been fairly steady this week. Uh, staying Brent crude staying around about the $80 a barrel mark and that is after OPEC plus agreed to stick with its planned increase for February and that included the indications that Omicron uh, will only have a mild impact on demand it certainly looks that way when where I'm sitting here in the United Kingdom and where you are in the United States we're we're trying to carry on with business as usual that might not be the case in many other parts of the world but i think both those governments us and uk it's full steam ahead really and as boris johnson said perhaps controversially the other day we're going to try and ride this one out and if we do try and ride this one out that suggests that the economy um will will continue to grow and 
Hence, that is why OPEC Plus agreed to stick with its planned increase. Yeah, very much so. It was a busy week for oil. And I think you had OPEC Plus, they they went ahead with another 400,000 barrel a day output increase which showed that you know their confidence in the, the recovery and they're they're not too worried about omicron but but also when you you know if you if you really follow um you know what's happening with opec you know a lot of countries are not living up to their quotas uh so 400,000 is not really 400,000 uh even russia fell shy of their quota um so it 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 just uh i think it was something that um, um traders knew that uh this is not nothing we're we're not really worrying that uh we're going to have oversupply anytime soon uh and and i think when you take into consideration um, what we saw um, as, as far as some of the other uh, key stories, uh, you know, there, there was uh, some unrest in Kazakhstan, which, um, you know, right now it, it seems like those those fears have eased, but uh, that put potentially put at risk uh, um, um, some oil supply. And then Libya had some outages. And and uh, you have to remember this oil market is extremely sensitive. If if you have any OPEC member has a disruption, uh, you're going to see prices rally. Um, and and I think the one of the key takeaways um, is that you know air travel, um, despite everything we saw with Omicron, uh, there there is still strong optimism that you know because uh, this new variant uh, it, it the expectations are this is going to pass fairly quickly um, that in the US we're going to see the peak in the next couple weeks and then uh, you know summer is expected to be extremely uh, busy yes we you know we're always going to be at risk of a new variant but there is strong optimism that uh, the the vaccines have shown they've been very good at holding up well uh, and uh, they can be tweaked if, if needed but uh, I think large parts of the country, and it keeps growing they're they're ready to live with this virus so i think you're you're going to see um that return to normal behavior and travel and driving uh and and, and going back to the office will will pick up um and, and i think one of the big takeaways is that you're you know you're you are seeing some controversy there are some companies like i think citigroup today they i think they announced that they're going to fire vaccine holdouts this month uh and they're strict uh, u.s mandate um and and there there there's a i you know you you even had uh in Australia, Novak Djokovic getting <laughs> sent back. Um, I think the, the the push to get vaccinated. A lot of the people that were on the fence, they finally went forward and, and got vaccinated. So I think that um, you know you're you're, you're going to see herd immunity reached uh, hopefully a lot sooner. And and uh, I think for oil, you're you're having uh, you know all these demand outlook scenarios look pretty pretty optimistic and uh, i think that given that we're we're sort of entering that that peak winter period um uh, you you're 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 probably going to see that prices um should remain elevated i think um and and, and i think the, the the trading range will likely be 80 to 100 dollars but you know even if we do tentatively test above 100 uh, that won't last um that you know that 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 would automatically trigger more production and yield responses from governments and tapping reserves so um but but i but i think right now we're we're still at a healthy 
um, at levels that you know could still see some further upside here. And uh, I know this market is tight, and it's probably going to remain tight for uh, at least a couple more months. Do you think the current crisis in Kazakhstan is making some markets jumpy about uh, what could happen in terms of the price of oil and so on? I think it, it just reminded traders of all the geopolitical risks. You have Russia, the Ukraine, you, 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 there, there, there is a handful of risks that could lead to some type of disruptions. Um, uh, um, Libya included, and 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 I, I think that you're 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 seeing that. I I think the 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 market knows that um, there there's always been um, um, fears that um, you're you're going to have political unrest in the summer, uh, and 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 I think that now you're you're probably going to see that. Um, a lot of these African countries have been struggling with their quotas. It just looks like, um, you know, as we, you know, find the market trying to work its way to balance, it just seems that there's always some type of disruption here uh, that is is uh, keeping prices heading higher. And OPEC is very happy with what's happening. Yes, U.S. production has been um, recovering, uh, but it's nowhere near the levels that we saw under the Trump administration. And because of the commitments to clean energy, uh, there it, it it's it's only going to decrease. Uh, so. You're, you're, you're. I think you should be expecting higher oil prices um, going forward, and and, and uh, I think that um, you're, you're, you're likely to, to see that um, this is a, a market that um, is is quickly um, becoming um, a favorite trade again. Um, you know, just a year and a half ago, everyone just gave up on trading oil, and they just said, no, this is. We're, we're focusing on clean energy, and, and now it seems that uh, this trade is back, and uh, people are realizing that yes, there's a transition to clean energy, but it's going to be a lot longer to to completely to 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 uh, adopt that. And 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 uh, I think that you know this energy trade is is probably going to be pretty healthy for another uh, decade. Okay, let's talk um, cryptocurrency now, uh, Ed, and uh, Bitcoin prices have fallen to their lowest level in months. That was following some remarks from the US uh, Fed. I mean, if we're looking at the numbers, it dropped in value from $47,000 earlier in the week to less than $42,000. But uh, what's more interesting is what's happening with Ethereum. Yes, the best performing asset class, the Ethereum, the, the best performing asset, it just... It is uh, amazing to see uh, the freefall, uh, you know, Bitcoin is down uh, 9% in January, Ethereum down almost 13 and uh, Ethereum had a, a, a major setback. I think the optimism that uh, Ethereum was winning the blockchain uh, race uh, and, and that they were going to, um, for the most part, be able to um, solidify their their lead in, in in being the preferred chain that that has all the the, the, the smart contracts built on top, um, and and you had the the founder uh, Vitalik Buterin say that um, you know they're only 50% of the way there, and uh, I, I think that that for a lot of traders um, was very uh, surprising. Um, the, the problem right now is that you have several chain blockchains, uh, Solana. Uh, Polkadot and 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 uh, everyone's trying to figure out 
you know, how do they maximize scalability, but also not giving up security and decentralization? And in Ethereum, it was thought that they were they 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 had a good handle on that. And and the the problem is that uh, they they're 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 nowhere near that uh, goal, and uh, it, it just really surprised a lot of people that they're they're probably um, um, years away from that. And and uh, that the, the the fact that Ethereum is not ready for direct mass adoption um, really um, is 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 uh, kind of it, it took the wind out of a lot of retail traders. Um, and and I think that. Uh, you know, you've seen so much interest in Ethereum, um, and now, um, you know, you have these top two cryptos that are struggling because over the past couple months they've been down, and uh, mostly, uh, if you look at the charts, it's been very choppy to sideways, and a lot of traders have been just used to um, it, just for the most part, uh, having some dips, but mostly uh, still uh, a strong bullish trend, and now. Um, uh, many of these traders are now focusing on NFTs and uh, all these other different um, markets that um, are seeing significant uh, appreciations. So, so I think that uh, the crypto trade has, you know, the long the, the bull run has definitely hit a major roadblock here, and, and now you're 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 probably uh, going to see uh, that you know there's there there needs to be another you know major you know, sell off before it really attracts a lot of investors. And, and now I think, you know, Bitcoin looks very vulnerable to a break below 40,000 and Ethereum below th uh, 3,000. So um, I think 35, 37 for Bitcoin is probably where you'll see a lot of value. And that would be a level where uh, a lot of the early institutional traders um, would have already would have had initially invested in Bitcoin. So you would probably see them look to average uh, more into their position. So um, it, it's uh, a terrible start for the year. And uh, the, you know, what makes it harder for, for, for cryptos is the surge in treasury yields. And uh, I think that now you're going to probably see that uh, the, the interest has definitely um, um, dropped off and uh, it'll, it'll be uh, a, a tough, you know, road back to record highs, but I think there is still a, a, a lot of institutional money that is still betting long term. Okay, it's going to be a very interesting uh, year ahead, Ed, but what about the week ahead? What should we look out for over the next seven days or so? Yeah, and, and the week ahead, I, I think for, for me, there's a, there's, there's a couple of standouts and uh, the uh, for me in the U.S., you you have the the latest inflation report, which is going to show inflation is extremely elevated. Um, the year-over-year -year reading is 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 going to uh, uh, most likely top seven percent, seven point one percent is the estimate. Uh, that would be a, a nearly a four-decade high, uh, and and uh, that's 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 pretty significant. Um, you're, you're, we're also uh, I think it's important we're we're on Fed watch because uh, the Biden administration they're running out of time they really need to make those three appointments uh, and, and in addition to that um, we'll hear from Senate uh, Jerome Powell he'll have a confirmation hearing along with Lael Brainerd uh, for the uh, uh, she's nominated as the uh, um, second term as a Federal Reserve Chairman um, 
there's there's a lot of geopolitical events to risks to follow. U.S. Russian talks are starting. Um, in addition to that, it's the kickoff of earnings season. We'll hear from the banks. Uh, that is is uh, always important. Um, well, the, the banks will really give us a, a good insight on you know how strong is the economy, the the U.S. consumer. Um, in addition to that, we we have a, a, a wrath of U.S. data where we'll we'll learn more about retail sales, the spending in December. It's supposed to slow down. Um, in addition to that, uh, industrial production, consumer sentiment. Uh, supposed to, to slightly weaken as well, um, so it's a it's a it's a busy week, um, especially in the U.S. Um, and uh, um, abroad, um, you know, we 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 also have uh, uh, some key data out of uh, Asia. China has their uh, PPI CPI readings, um, Eurozone industrial production um, uh, on Wednesday, um, Russian CPI as well. Um, one of the key key um, Currencies we've been tracking to has been uh, Turkey. Industrial production is on on Thursday, which I think was is also when we'll get the weekly reserve data. Which uh, they did not tap their reserves this week. They had a major uh, um, um, reduction the the previous week, and uh, as they defend their currency, as they um, resort to extraordinary measures to prevent uh, the the lira from freefall and to to try to uh, uh, save uh, any chance of Erdogan getting reelected in, in the election in a couple of years uh, uh, Turkey's an important trade uh, it's provided the most volatility in FX so uh, Turkey is always on on the radar um, and on Friday I think that um, you're you're gonna have Chinese trade data is, is also going to be a key one as well and UK industrial production. Okay, Ed, very interesting to hear your view of the next week and, of course, the last few days as well. Thanks very much for joining us and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. This is the Oanda Podcast.